All right, today we got Mass Corporal Graham McDonald with us. Uh, Graham serves currently with the Argyles, has for many years. Uh, looking at getting a me not, not medical, just a regular release. Regular VR. voluntary release, yeah. VR. Going down the VR path, eh? Yeah. To 31 days. Thir and see 30 it, days. See never. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this might be a little bit of a teaser podcast and then have you back afterwards because I definitely want to talk about your social media game. Yep. Uh, but as of right now, probably not the best idea. No. We'll, uh, we can do another one after the 11th. i got to stay in my lane till then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, you served with Wardo. You were on Task Force 308 with myself. Uh, we've been, I mean, talking about that tour specifically a lot. Uh, I guess, is there anything that you want to add to what Dave and I have already discussed? Or? Uh, yeah, you know what? I should have made notes because I just listened to that the other day. And as I'm listening, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, remember this? And you guys didn't touch on it, right? But uh, Yeah. It's um, funny how that happens, right? Like, No, I think the one thing that I don't think we stressed enough was, um, so when you say PRT, right and we, and we lost we lost a lot of guys from our camp it was it was a tough tour uh what was really hard for us was our rules of engagement and you guys touched on hearts and minds for a minute and then you kind of breezed over it but like when i got there basically it was told to me that we're here to win hearts and minds and the taliban's main effort is going to get us to shoot civilians so if we're driving downtown they're going to take some pot shots, do whatever, hoping that we open up and then they can spin it saying, see what the Canadian forces are doing. And that made things tough. And you were talking about the ICOM radio for a while. That was the uh, radio that they intercepted their communication. So it was just constantly messing with you. Like, can I say fucking? Dude, it, swear it, all it was constantly know. fucking with you because like, I, I remember... The first time in particular we were at Sarapola's prison and it's one way in, one way out. I think that was already communicated. And right before we're about to leave, the Terp calls us in and he's like, okay, this is what was picked up on. The Canadians are in, they'll be coming out soon. May all be with you. And I was air sentry on that. And I'll never forget the gates opening up and it's fucking rush hour in Kandahar city. And I'm, I'm doing it. I'm in the air century where either first or second vehicle and man, anything moved quickly. Like it was happening. You know what I mean? It was like you were on edge. Now that became second nature to us. And it, essentially it, it kind of worked too, because they could have been telling the truth. And we, we just stopped kind of listening to the icon. Like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're saying it again, but that was frustrating for me was like, you know, the if you were in the battle group at least you knew okay this is our enemy we're going out we're looking for a fight we had to constantly be worried about hitting innocent people and it was so busy like i got pictures i'll send them to you maybe you, you can put them up so busy yeah i remember downtown kandahar people don't think of kandahar as like a built-up city like you're thinking mud huts which there is all over afghanistan like, Whatever. to someone who's never been there, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm not thinking, like, Toronto or something like that. No, exactly. But that's there are buildings that are built up properly with windows and everything like that. And we, it, It's traffic time, like Graham said. And it can get not in, too intense. Like, I guess you get used to it. Like, I'm sure at the beginning of the tour, I was, 
I was super nervous because of how much was going on around you. Yeah. But after a while, you just it, start to get used it, to it. It was <laughs> funny because when we got there, I forget who we took over from, but they were doing like, so like, let's say uh, Matt came in or I came in, they'd send two of their guys back, right? And then we would be then in a mixed patrol with them. And so we'd get in and we'd be like, there's a pop can on the side of the road. And they'd be like, shut the fuck up. No shit. There's garbage everywhere. You know? Yeah. So you're, you're going in new noticing yeah. the pop can. Yeah. That we and were told in training like forever to that's know. A it's, been, yeah. it's just been impressed yeah. on you. Like that's going to be yeah. the thing that gets you. And, and first patrol, like, you know, there was a pop can. But by the second patrol, you're like, there's a million pop cans. So like, yeah. it was tough, man. And then when we got ripped out, it was the same thing. The Van Dues came in. And they're like, there's there's a pop gun, the pop gun, and we're like, just fucking go. Shut. <laughs> you know, it was it was kind of, but that it made it for for me. It was tough, and yeah. and I don't think we get the credit that we should have got because when we were in Cyprus, like all the battle group guys were like, oh battle group, oh PRT must have been nice. It's like, man, it was not nice. Again, at least you knew who you were fighting ish it wasn't as busy it was like it was hectic man you're in those guys and those guys killed it too uh, i'm not taking away from what they did no but i to give a comparison those guys are pretty much going out and playing pokey chest yeah like they're like this is the area that we know these guys are at a good example that uh i have is you we were speaking of the icom chatter and we we're going out of msg and we we're with uh it's like Simic, and so we're going to look at this bridge, and the engineers are going to assess if they need to rebuild this bridge. So we go out, we're providing the security. The engineer, and just like his immediate security, go onto this bridge, and then the interpreter is like, I'm getting ICOM chatter, the Canadians are on the bridge now, blow it. Yeah. And he just like, and we get that through our PRR, and you just look around, and everyone just like starts backing up slowly, and the engineer's on the bridge, like, thanks. <laughs> and, and, and it did work though because that that did work and, and thank god we 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 had great training and we were very professional over there like um but man when when you hear that especially for the first few times you're ready to go and like any sudden movements and you know chances are that it is a kid or you know dave touched on the uh vision impaired they don't have glasses that happened all the time but you're so amped because you just heard 10 seconds ago that they're going to hit you. Yeah. So it, it was, it was, uh, it was a well thought out plan by them and it, and it did work. And I'm surprised we didn't have more escalation forces. Like, well, we, we did have a lot of EOFs. We yeah, got we shit. Yeah, we, <laughs> we all got a little sit down a little, yeah, yeah we did too. Yeah. A little slap on the pecker. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Stop shooting at everything, boys. That's the first fair. patrol out shooting at shit again. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just wanted to add something that's going through my mind. On a past podcast, I had Chris Waddy on. He wrote a book on the Contact Charlie, it was called, from the 06 tour, the PPCLI. And that was what you're talking about, the pokey chest, where it was you go out, you fight. Like, that's con yeah. like the Taliban trying to take on the Canadian forces. And I'm wondering, so, great. I'm, I know how PPCLI works, so let's pull myself out of that. I want to think I'm a Taliban guy here. Yeah, well, I don't enjoy getting my ass kicked by you guys. No, exactly. So now I got to evolve how I'm going to attack you. Yeah. So that's why I'm now having to resort to going. All right, I'm going to mix in with with a civilian over here and and draw that fire and well, the other do thing do stuff you wouldn't even think of. PRT, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the PRT. We rolled with four vehicles. Like the battle groups rolling out with like thirty vehicles. So who are you going to? 
Target. And what are those Three four? Watch. What are those four vehicles? Two labs and two bisons. And so it's two infantry, a medic, and an engineer team, EOD team. And then if we were rolling with it, it'd be RGs. Yeah, the but, Gucci RGs over here. Yeah, the but life. So again, the reservists. Well, the, the other thing they were doing there was they were tri- so we all have loved ones, right? Whether it be family, wives, kids, whatever. We all got our own story. Now imagine someone didn't follow their ROEs, shot a man who happened to be your your father or your uncle or whatever, it's not going to be that hard for them to recruit you at that time. I know if anybody does anything to my family or friends, it, it's not going to be hard to sway me to be like, you want retali- You want to retaliate? Let's go. Join us. Here's your gun. And, and that's it really fucked with us. The other cool thing about the PRT that you guys didn't touch on was we saw so much of that country. That's true. Where I talked to, like, we were kind of like, like, I remember, where was it? Spin Boldak. It was getting really hot. That's right by the border of Pakistan. It was getting super hot down there, so they're like, we need you guys there. No problem. We go down. We spend a week there. Like, we went wherever we were needed. We saw the Dow Dam. We were at Sarapola's Prison once a week. Kandahar University, we'd go once a week with the dogs. To, Soccer stadium. Yeah. Like, we, we saw so much of the country. Um, we were kind of fortunate that way. Hold on. There's a good example. Kandahar University. What, yeah. what was that? Was that functioning at the I, time? I when, wanted a sweatshirt so bad. Come back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Graduating class of 0809. I'm, I'm, I'm smelling a little sarcasm. No, no. Now. Honestly, it was cool. Like, I, I, I liked my tour. And you know what? I'll tell you. Uh, you're getting me going again. <laughs> Something that sets me off is is if you have any sort of opinion on, let's say, the Taliban, then you're 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 labeled a racist. But what people forget, people that have never done anything, is me and Matt. Like when I, why I went there is because I heard girls were getting acid thrown on their face. People are being killed. These guys are bullies. These are all facts. I, I'm a reservist. Like, I got a job. I'm. I'm volunteering to go there. I want to go help. And then I come home and I have an opinion and people are, are, are dropping the R-bomb on me and that, that sort of sets me off. Got, got lost there. That happens from time to time. <laughs> Kanar University, yeah. So no sarcasm. I, I, wish, I wish I would have got one. I don't, I, we didn't see a shop or anything, but we would go there once a week because they tried to disrupt the education system. So we'd go, you remember the dogs we had on site? Yeah. I think, I forget what country they were from. The guys that own the dogs, they're contracted out. Their dogs were awesome. Like the Netherlands or something like that. Yeah, I forget what country. But uh, we'd go there once a week and, and do that sweep, and it was pretty cool. And those dogs, we were, uh, like, every two weeks to keep their dogs uh, sharp, they'd be like, hide this anywhere in this area in the camp, right, whether it be a corner or whatever. Pretty big area. And you got like five or six dudes with nothing to do. We're bored as shit. And we're like, hide this. So we get pretty crafty. The dogs found it like longest four minutes. They're, they're, pretty, they're pretty awesome, those dogs. There's other things that we could touch on too. I never even thought of that, like expanding on what the provincial reconstruction team was all about. Um, I, I, we did touch on it a bit, like going out and seeing, having insurance, sit down meetings with elderlies. Uh, seeing what they need within the towns and stuff. But a lot of the time, like, you'd end up, like you said, where shit happens and then they don't want to deal with you, right? Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you... 
No, not that. That was just, I think, some things that you guys breezed over. And then I'm sure if you had another guy in, they'd be like, you were so close, but you didn't mention this. There was yeah. like, so much that happened in that yeah. in that time. But uh, Well, that's why we're doing the podcast, yeah. because that part of you, what you're saying in the story, someone else listening to this, you yeah. know, bring them, have them come on. And yeah. I think it's a good, you know, because there's a lot of things you're, you're wondering, did this happen or did this not happen? Yeah. No, and uh, we did a... I want to say it was a five or a ten has it been ten years we did a reunion with our platoon so we were a platoon of reservists and then somebody uh organized a reunion and we did it at uh the armories in hamilton and everybody came and the stories were flowing and like you said like we talked about tonight you forget shit it's been ten years the second you mention it i'll probably remember it but like pandora's box yeah yeah so open it, it it's it's nice that you get to do that. Being a reserve unit, I'm guessing that most guys stick around unless they go right for us and end up somewhere else. But like for me, it's if we were going to try and have a platoon reunion, oh, you know how fucking hard that would be? Oh, there'd be flights involved. Yeah, and, yeah. logistics of it just wouldn't yeah. make it happen. And that's one of the hard parts. When you get back, you kind of lose that, that brotherhood that you had over there. Um, so my section, we were all from Hamilton. And to this day... We're in a group chat. Those guys are like my best friends. So I do, I do feel for people like those guys are literally at this point, my brothers. I love all of them. We get together like twice or three times a year. We chat every single day. I couldn't imagine not speaking to those guys. Yeah. And that would be so hard uh, on top of everything else that people go through. No, that's uh, a good, that's a good point. You know, yeah. to have that. We go away, uh, in March, we go up to my buddy's cottage, just us. Nobody's around, no cell phones. Tell the wives, like, don't call us unless, like, it's an emergency, and that's our weekend. And that's going to be good to be able to yeah. go hit the old reset button. Oh, it is. It's awesome. And I'm sure the wives are just like, yes, go. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. Go yeah. blow yeah. that steam yeah. off. Yeah. Get yeah. it over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they never seem to. I've noticed that. No, it's the Army guy. Go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, a big part of doing the podcast is for remembrance. Like, that's. Uh, whether it was Afghanistan or not, uh, remembering the guys that we've lost and females that we've lost as well. Uh, soldiers, I guess it would be the easiest way to put it. Uh, what do you remember from December 13th? And this is something that's come up a lot. And I'm, I'm happy that I'm able to do this and bring it up as much as I want because I always want the boys to be remembered. Yeah. Uh, and we've touched on it in a few episodes now. But it's it's always kind of tweaked a little bit. What do you do? You remember from that? Were you in country? No, I was not a country. I was fortunate enough to have a Christmas leave. Oh, and I was. How did you I fucking was, weasel that? You I, were a single I traded. Guy. So no, there was a female and a male that were dating, and she ended up with that, and I ended up with the same HLTA as the guy, and they wanted to go together, and I was like, hook me up with Christmas. I even said to people like. Go hit people with kids first. Like, you I, fucking weasel. I know. I was, <laughs> but you know what? It was good. Uh, I, I was in transit and uh, I saw it on the news. Like, I don't think it was, it was, like, I wasn't, I, I wasn't with the army at that point. Like, I might have been in Germany. Yeah, just flying, doing your own solo I remember travel. seeing it on the news and I felt like sick to my stomach and the rest of the flight was, you know, a write off. Um, and then I got home and I had to kind of put on a, a happy face, right? Yeah. But, uh, no, that was a terrible day. Like, what was your uh, coming back then like? Uh, well, see, I went home and they say never go home because it's tougher to leave. But, like, I was pretty pissed off. 
You know, like I, I was. It's weird too when you explain it to somebody. If any one of us that have done it know, like those are your, but like I didn't even want to go, because you know what I mean. That like I, we started together, we're ending together. Um, now I'm leaving for three weeks, and and that happened. So I know it's it's getting close to the camp, and uh, <clears throat> you know it was. Uh, I was ready to come back. I was pretty eager to come back, and I was pretty pissed off. Um, it was sad. I was sad for you guys because, like I just said, like I, people don't understand it that I haven't done it. You you eat with these guys. You sleep with these guys. These these are your brothers. There's nothing in my life. There's nobody that's closer to me than the guys that I served with directly, and I could only imagine losing those guys from my section. I, I'd have to be sent home. I'd, I'd go on a fucking terror. You know, I wouldn't because I'm disciplined and that's that's what we do. But, like, I, I and you guys, I, I fell for you. I fell for their families. Uh, quick backstory on Hamilton. Um, we went to Gagetown for, like, a meet and greet slash training. And, again, if anybody that's been in the military, done a course, done anything, the second you meet somebody, it's prison mentality, right? Like, it shouldn't be. It it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be because you know in three days you're going to be best friends. But you're unpacking your shit. You're looking around. You're you're sizing Sizing each other up. And and he was just a professional. He was like, listen, let's cut the shit. I'm having a party at my house tonight. You guys are all welcome to come. And you know what? If anybody gets out of line, don't do anything. Like, even if you're a bad guy, even if you're a tough, I'm not saying back down. Just come find me and I'll sort it out. And then we went to his place that night, had a wicked party, and it, and that was the way to set the tone. And then you know we were all cool from there. But he, that was Hamilton. He stepped up. He uh, I got nothing but good things to say about him. Yeah, Tom was probably one of the best leaders, without the rank that I could ever think of. Um, yeah, which is an interesting thing to say because we all know those type of guys that oh, they yeah. don't have the rank, but. When shit's going down, you're like, oh, yeah. Interesting from the whole Afghanistan thing was there was guys that were corporals for a long time. uh, And it wasn't that they didn't deserve the rank or to progress. It was that these guys were going on tour, coming back. And then because they are who they are, the next company that's going over is going, hey, we want you to come back with us. So, so like they can't do a course. leader's course. Yeah, they, you don't get the chance to go through the courses and get the checks in the box to progress, but it's like these guys should be the ones that are, like, having the rank. Well, and, and sometimes, too, like, I, I didn't serve with Hamilton that long, but, like, I know even from civilian employment or military, sometimes those leaders are the guys asking the bosses the tough questions. Like, hey, this is horseshit. We're not doing this. And, you know, I'm not saying every master corporal or sergeant's a yes man, but there are some corporals that have fought some fights behind the scenes looking out for his guys, and that gives him a bad name too. Now, again, I don't know if that was Hamilton. I didn't serve with him long enough to say that, but there are some, some quality corporals that don't get that chance. It's kind of like what Mackenzie and I were saying too, like when we got back from tour, and we were talking about before this podcast where it was like challenging, why the fuck are we doing these Cold War tactics training sessions when it's like, why don't you teach the guys what a daisy chain is? These guys don't even know. Like, teach them about a lab. We sure, even if we can't get in a lab, I'm sure you're like, let's let's teach them about it. Hey, like, can you yeah. just tell the Cold War guy here what the daisy chain is? Yeah, exactly, right? Do you not know it's for real? 
Is this a real question? I never know with you. Your name. It's the one on. <laughs> it's the one on Hurt Locker, isn't it? Uh oh, that's uh, good. I guess. Well, see, my my thing. Sorry, we didn't get we'll, like. We'll there's get a back. perfect example. Like we didn't train in that because yeah. it didn't but, exist. But here's the thing too: is they'll get like an EOD guy to come train us. And it'll be like, here's your 40-minute lecture on everything you're going to see explosives-wise <laughs> in Afghanistan. Now go shoot tons of rounds, which is great. We need to be effective with our weapons. But, like, that's also a threat. So, like, maybe break it down a little better and give us more explosive trainings. It's one of the, the major threats. Like, if you look at the casualties, I, I would assume that there's more, not oh, just yes. fatalities, way more injuries uh, that are from explosives than... Than bullets? Yes. Oh, for sure. Oh, I've already looked through for it. Sure, yeah. it. The 158, uh, it, it's well, all even, IEDs. Well, yeah. it, take away just the like, the 158 is what what everyone knows about. I mean, our tour, it was like, especially near the end when the summer was starting to ramp up, it was like every other day. No, they, every day. We're, there was I'm pretty sure we, I should know this, and, and I would know it if it just didn't come to me on the spot. I think we lost nine guys from our camp in our, in our <clears> tour. I know for sure that we lost six. We lost the EOD team, and we lost our guys. Yeah. But we had more sent home. Yeah. So we had from uh, our vehicle, the 4-2 Alpha, did, no one survived inside the vehicle. And then there was no injuries, but our EOD team, the driver, uh, and the crew commander were sent home with injuries, I know for sure. Yeah. Uh, the driver of the EOD team, uh, he was driving with the hatch cracked, and that's essentially what saved his life. He got shot out of the hatch, and then, you know, the wire cutter on the vehicle on the bison. Yeah. So it's like, if they're driving with the hatches up, there's a wire cutter, so that if there's a wire that they go across, it'll cut it instead of decapitating them. Uh, so he, he was hot, so he cracked the, the hatch, got shot up, and then his frag vest, uh, it got cut right through on the wire cutter. Like, this guy was lucky. Let's put it. We ended up seeing him, because we had to go for the ramp ceremony and everything, ended up seeing him in calf at Canner House on his way out. And wild well, shit. Well, see, like, at least... Four times on my tour, we're like, so we'd go to calf to resupply beans and bullets, right? It was calf run. If you got to go on the calf run, that was like the, the bees knees. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'd say it again. What's the name? What's the nickname of the run? Beans, calf beans, run. beans and bullets. You're just beans getting and food, food and, and, and rounds. <laughs> and so you'd you'd go there and you'd fill up under magazines and it was man, it was it was. Get your go. pizza hot, Burger King, we'd come, we'd come back to... No, I got shut down. We got, we got sent back. We'd get back to CNS, and they'd be like, spool up. You guys are quick reaction force. Go right back out. Like, the same route we just drove, drove back over. And what were those bubbles called? The ECM bubbles? Yeah, the ECM so, and PCM. It was like some computer system gave everybody migraines, but you'd flip it on and it created a bubble that would disrupt. We talked about it with, with Wardo, I think. Sorry, so I don't got to go over that. But no, anyway, yeah, yeah, we drive back. But it comes with its problems too, doesn't it? Just It's not always maybe headaches and, and we'll see about cancer in about five years, I'm sure. <laughs> but like, man, you, if you were driving for any longer than a half an hour, you, everybody in the vehicle would be fucked up. But you better be fucked up than dead. And those things save your lives. Like I said, the one time in, in particular, we got back and it was like just getting dark. And we had to go right back out uh, with QRF. And when they dismantled it or whatever, they did their job. They're like, that would have blown you back to Toronto. Like that's the biggest one we've seen. And so like the ECM bubble saved our lives that day. But 
Yeah, we didn't get enough explosive training. And that's to stop someone with a cell phone just yeah. sending the wave to detonate yeah. the IED. Yeah. 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 And you can't VPS everything. That's something else that is insane is like you get lost in it. And it's not the Canadian forces. I don't want to get shit for this. It's not. But like you, you start getting missions and it's like, all right, well, we got to get all this shit done. And it's like, all right, well, what are we VPSing? Vital point search, right? You must pass, I don't know, 60 culverts on the way to CAF. You can't hit everyone. You'd be out all day and you got to get shit done. So yeah. it's just it's just like, okay, we'll do this one. Okay, we'll do this one. We did that one last week. We'll do this next one. But you're driving over them. That's, it, we, it was we, insane. It was we fun. luckily had guys that, like our, our warrant officer was switched on ex-airborne. Uh, just cute. He would start going, okay, what can we do ourselves? Like, this is outside of training where we do things like we'd speed up to the culvert and then slam on the brakes. And then you're like, if it doesn't blow, we're good. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. But they're watching all the time. Like, if you're going out and checking culverts, like, we had to switch up the distances that you go out. You start out with, you know, 20 meters out, and then it's like, okay, well, now we have to start bringing it into 10, then 5, and then we'll go up to 30 because they're going to start putting any purse mines within those ranges, right? Uh, so then luckily we had switched on guys that were like, okay, let's think outside the wire. Let's not just go by the, well, this is what they say. So we have to do it this way. It's like, well, we want to keep our guys alive. So let's fucking adapt and overcome. So no, we did good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to touch since we're, we touched about on, uh, remembering the guys that we've lost, uh, I don't know how much you, you want to talk about it or, or how far into it you'd like to get, but uh, Corporal Cirillo is uh, obviously someone that has to touch you in some way, being in Argyle. Uh, I also know from being at the funeral, I saw you there. It's, yeah. uh, that was a big day. That was a uh, huge day. Maybe I, as much as you want to get into it, what like the, the atmosphere was like, how you guys found out, you know, how much training goes into a funeral like that? Like for people that don't know, I mean, it was on yeah, maybe the, news. the backstory on it. Yeah, like how how does all of that come about? That was it's such a, a unique, sad situation, but it's not something that obviously happens. Yeah. So first of all, for Cirillo, um, I I ran in conjunction with about three other guys for the. Basically, whoever's not busy steps up and runs the hockey team. So, I played hockey with Cirillo, like a lot. He was a, he was a good hockey player, good Canadian, um, and I worked with him. Uh, quite, I was his two IC for for one year. So, we were buddies, and uh, I was at home, and I remember the media covering it. So, whatever breaking news, whether it be wouldn't have been CBC. I don't watch that, but. <laughs> so, some some media was covering it, and all you could see was the dicing, and his spats. So we knew it was an argyle, and then like literally. Can, can you explain what dicing and spats? Uh, so the spats will be the the. the we'll have to post. The boots. A, yeah, we'll have to post a picture so people can see this at home. And then the the sock has a unique dicing that, uh, that's the argyles, and I believe the Calgary Highlanders have it. It's Highland Regiment. Yeah, yeah. Look. So it's quite unique. There's only. Two regiments in Canada, I believe, that have the red and white dicing. So we see that on the TV. We saw that on the TV with the spats. It's in Ottawa, and that's a common task for our unit. It gets, uh, I believe, it's ceremonial guard. It gets passed around, um, but we get opportunities to do it. So 
immediately everybody's phone blows up and we've talked about this in the mess so it's it's not just my phone it was like anybody in the regiment um phone starts blowing up like who was it who was it who was there and then and then you know um we find out the two guys that were there i won't mention the other guy but i'll i'll mention cirillo because that's known so then it was just like well we got to figure out who it was and then it started flowing down uh, who it was and it, you know it was no different like when that happens I, I mean it's not an army thing if you lose a family member if you anything like you're just you're you're hurt you're shattered and the fact that he was unarmed and shot by a terrorist it, it just adds salt to the to the wound I was I was it was a tough time because like you're obviously sad and I knew his family situation and I'm pissed off because it's a terrorist that shoots him in our nation's capital, and uh, it was horrible. It was it was a terrible couple of days, but um, doing a, a a job that's more of like a it's like a dog and pony show almost. Yeah, it's well, like they're it's a, it's a yeah. They're they're paying. I think it's mostly for tourists. Like they're paying exactly. they're paying homage to the fallen themselves by being there. But I think it's more of a, a photo op for the for the tourists. Um, but it uh, it was a rough couple days, and then for the funeral, I know a lot of people were busy, but basically we just repped out drill, so we didn't look horrible. Like, and everybody, you know, nobody likes drill, and everyone's like, "Fuck this, let's go." We were like, "We're not stopping here until we get this right." Not because I, I could give a shit if the nation was watching. Because his son, his family, they're going to see us at our best. Now, that was the sort of atmosphere from the junior ranks. The, Anyways. That day, the mo- like I, I'm almost like a little bit emotional thinking about it right now. But I'm, I'm a big, strong man. Yeah. I'm not going to be up. But uh, <laughs> seeing his son wearing his, what do you call it? Is that a wedge or what do you... It's, like uh, it's not a beret, but... No, that is the Glengarry. His headdress. Yeah. Seeing his son... That was yeah. uh, being there, and it was like that. Was, and the city turned out. The city everybody was huge. turned out. Yeah. That, that mm-hmm. was easily the biggest parade I've ever been on. I, like Harper was there, Trudeau yep. was there, Mo Claire, I think was the NDP leader. Like they were all there. Um, SWAT was on the roof. I remember that snipers up on the roof. Yeah, like I, I'm surprised there wasn't drone footage. Like you know how if yeah. something that big happens, they'll do like some drone footage. I haven't seen That's any. probably anyway. why security issues. Yeah. I assume. Fair. They probably said no. Cause if you put one up in the air, then everyone's going to yeah. want to. No, that's, that's fair. But it was, it was, uh, not, we know why we were there. I've stressed that enough. And I, I, I'm hesitant to use this word, but it was, it was, uh, shocking to see the amount of people. I don't want to say the word cool. Cause nothing was cool about that, but to see the, the amount support. of people and that like you couldn't move on James Street. I remember like like yeah. Hamilton people. I love Hammer. I I absolutely love the love Hamilton. I know it gets a bad rap. Some of the best people here. You couldn't move. It was six deep on the sidewalks. Yeah. And everybody was positive. Everybody was um sorry, they were mourning, but it, it was a positive thing. If I was a member of his family, I would have been proud of my son at that point because it showed what he meant you know he put his life on the line he lost it and and did the community and country ever show up yeah, man. yeah. that was a 
That was definitely quite the event. It was, I would agree with you. That was... I, I have to always be careful, and I just want to say this as a disclaimer. <laughs> don't edit this. When this gets asked, I didn't know that was going to happen. So if I say something that's not um, uh, kosher or politically correct, I apologize. You know, I, I did not mean to use the word cool at all. No, no, no. I think that's very clear yeah. from listening yeah. to sure. you talk. Okay. But I get what you mean, though, because to be able to see, like, if you're a family member and you realize, hey, this, this my family member, even though it's such a tragedy this happened, look at what my family member did with this community. Yeah. It showed that everyone cares about my son. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's a picture that, oh, my God, it's like um, his gate. And the dog's head was underneath it. Oh, right? yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. What did the security and atmosphere feel like at the unit? Because being from the area, I know that you guys immediately kind of went into like lockdown, right? Yeah, I think, again, don't quote me, there'll be some historian at the unit getting pissed off at me. But, <laughs> like, oh, so the armories goes in lockdown? Everything. Yeah, yeah we, we were on, I think we were on comms lockout, just like overseas. Like anytime something like that happens, the family and next can have to be, and obviously everyone's texting. So somebody jumped on that immediately. It was like, shut your bows. Everybody did. Yeah. But like, no, we were closing the gates at the armories. Nobody was allowed in. Because um, the other warrant officer, sorry, his name escapes me at this time. Should know it. He was mowed down by a car. If you recall, yeah, it, was, yes. it was either two yes. days yes. before. Two days. Should, is that... I shouldn't have I, even I, we tried. We should know this, I but, have, you know. Yeah. Um, but then also there was, uh, in Toronto, there was a stabbing at the recruiting yeah, office. Yeah, so it was a lot, and, and so we closed the gates, and actually it was me and, I'm going to drop his name because it's a, it's a fairly <laughs> regular name, it was me and my great friend Jonesy that actually locked the gates, and the, and the spec took a picture of that because it was like the first time it was locked like business hours. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That was in the news. It was yeah. the first time it was, that it was ever was, actually secured. Again, a million I'm not joking. Flowers out front, like there was too much. Amazing support, but like there was so much. It it, it ran the block of just flowers being dropped off. That was such a weird time. I remember I had vet plates, and I remember at that time I was like, I don't even want vet plates anymore because I feel like I'm a target. Yeah. And there's all the the military guys that are like, oh yeah, fuck, I dare you to come. Bring on Tommy Taliban. And it's like, well, if you're sleeping with your wife and your kids at home and Tommy Taliban brings four of his buddies to your house, you're kind of fucked. Like, yeah. you're just, it felt like you were walking around with a target at that time for some reason. Yeah, well, again, they changed it up. Like, usually just out of ease on a, we prayed on Wednesday nights. So it's like, yeah, show up in uniform. They're like, change, show up in civvies, wear like a non-issued backpack, change here. Yeah, yeah. So it was such a weird. They, time. they tightened security, um, but I, I wasn't worried. Not because I can take care of Tommy Taliban. I just I know that they are sort of far and few between, so I didn't lose any sleep over my security. At Speaking that point. of which, though, you've got Monday nights with Corey down there now, so You've got unarmed combat training. Oh, here we yeah. go. The, the jiu-jitsu plug. Here we go. I think every police force, you know, we're talking about oh, these God, things. Don't def- even. You know, I opened a can of worms, <laughs> so we want to defund things, and maybe it's more training. Like, I want people to be able to shoot a gun like I do and yeah. be able to roll and do stuff. And now, Corey's an excellent great. instructor. I don't actually go down for that. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of guys do. Uh, Corey's killing it down there, and he is self-motivated. Like, that all came from him, and he hit a it's lot It's a jiu-jitsu r- class for the Argyle. Yeah, for the Argyle. And, and R- 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 it's probably open RHLI, too. But they won't. They, I don't think they'd come. That wouldn't be 
necessarily kosher. I don't think there'd be some battles. No, I've seen okay, a couple. T- oh, is there? It, okay, so let's let's. Oh yeah. no, I'll, I'll touch on that after. I want to uh, go to the Ar- the Argyle Riley thing because it is weird that you guys both share the armory, right? Like, yeah, it is. And weird. we're both infantry, and they think they're yeah. better than us, and we know yeah. we're better than them. So. Oh, no, here I'm we go. I'm kidding. <laughs> is it, are there the same amount of guys in both? I think there is now. For a while, we were bigger. Like, it, it, it's. Oh, I hope I don't get in trouble. You're getting in trouble. There's for some sure. politics involved. So I, when I joined, it was the, the queen was coming. Uh, there was the Queen's Parade. So basically at that time, it was like anybody who joins is going Argyles unless they specifically say, I want RHLI and I won't go whatever. So like, I think it's a numbers game and it's like, okay, it's your, you know, 150th anniversary. Okay, fill those ranks up. You know what I mean? Because a lot of guys come in off the street and they're like, what do you want? Like, I, I don't know what an infantry is. I don't know what. I just want to get. Yeah, discipline. I just want to get in. My my that, dad that was actually. Me. I was I was like the worst kid in the world growing up. I got like kicked out of school, charged and convicted three times. And my dad said to me, he's like, "Listen, I've never asked you to do anything." He was a good dad, but he's like, "I I haven't asked you to do anything really." He goes, "I want you to get in the military. I want you to do one year. I don't care how hard it is. Don't quit. Give me one year. If you hate it, you bounce." Like you're done, but you will give me one year. Do that for me. So I did it, and nobody's quitting after a year. Let's be honest. Like if you've if you played any later, sort of stuff. if you played any sort of sport or you have any sort of team mentality, you get in the army. That's your thing until you get jaded for other reasons and, and, <laughs> and get out. But that's that like that becomes your possession for a while, right? Did you ever want to go reg force or? And if you didn't, I totally no, get why, man. <laughs> It, it happened so fast. I'm 40 now, but like I've always had a good job, fortunately. And you know, I've, I've said this too. Nobody listens to me, but I'm like, you want to build a reg force, which I believe the numbers are horrible right now. There's like Hagersville right there. You know what I mean? Like, get a training area close to a city. No one at 18 wants to be in Pet. Nobody wants to be in Shiloh. Nobody wants to be like you. Got to put these bases close to cities if you want to grow the numbers. In my opinion, have like a Battle school in southern Ontario. Yeah, it's like do your training. Do, do your training in pet. And how, how hard is it to do a road move? And do all your training on those grounds. Like, I'm speaking for southern Ontario. I'm not speaking about out east or out west. But, like, man, keep them close to the city. The Van Dias, they got it so good in really? Quebec. Yeah, I think oh, they're, they're, like, they're a quick drive into Quebec City. They're living the dream. I think, I think yeah, Moro, no one's living the dream of the PPCLI. That's out in Wainwright. Yeah. I, sure. I, I think Moro was in Edmonton for a while. Still, that's a good two but, hour. I don't know. We never, we never got to drive it in battle school, but I didn't want to do reg force, not because um, I didn't love the army, because I was at a good thing here. But I loved the army, and uh, you know the whole reg force tune thing. I take my hat off to the reg force. Like you guys are doing the damn thing every day, right? So let's say I do ten years in the reserves. Maybe that's three years, Reg Force, right? Like, you'll get there. You'll get the training. I could go to any Reg Force battalion right now. I've been in since 2001 and fit in. I don't know if I'd be a good Master Corporal because I've never really been mechanized. But, like, I could go in and fit in with any section in the world. They're not going to be like, you're junk. To be perfectly honest, I think that it's, it's interesting to look at it that way because you probably have just as much training as someone that's been in for the same amount of time. Because we spend so much time in downtime, right? Like that when you're there, you're pretty much your training. 
Uh, there's you're not sitting in stores joking and smoking, playing cards for four days out of five. I was going to say I mean? like Afghanistan, it's, that's full time. Yeah, so we I did a year workup, and then seven month deployment, and then I went right on my mod six, which is a leadership course. So I was basically like two years full time. Uh, but you learn a lot on the axes. That's the thing is like we have something called CAC or Stalwart Guardian. It's like you know ten days in the field, and that is where you learn. Like I tell the young reservists, like go on CAC because that's where you're in the field. You're doing it. It's, it's a real shit. It's so easy to go in on a Wednesday night when it's nice and warm, and even if you're cold, you're cold for for two hours. Suck it up. But when you're out in the field for ten days, like that's where you learn the business, right? So you learn the, about yourself too. So so the fact that you guys are doing those X's, that's what I think elevates you guys quicker because everybody learns in the field, man. It's easy to talk about it. Get oh, yeah. out you go it. through a battle school, you're doing 10-day Xs, yeah. like a defensive week, an offensive yeah. week, all section attacks. And you're getting beasted. Escape and evasion. <laughs> just oh. straight belt-fed cock. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, I'm going to throw another curveball at you here. Uh, and again, I don't know how much you'd want to talk about it or how deep. Corporal Stark. Yeah, so I will, I will, what is it, plead the fifth? On yeah. this one, because um, I don't know what the, what what the family knows about like the discovery of the body and this and that. So, out of respect to, that. to everybody involved, I won't touch on anything like that. But I will say, and that's common knowledge, it did happen in house in the armories yeah. on a weekend exercise. And um, for anyone that doesn't know, yeah, what's the backstory? Justin Stark uh, ended up taking his life two thousand eleven. I want to say 2011 uh, at the armories in Hamilton. Uh, I, th- I think it was at the end of an exercise, wasn't it? Oh, no, it was. Yeah. I don't know. It happened on the weekend, and we can chat after. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and, and I'll fill you in, but just, I don't. Of course. Yeah. There, there's, there is some info. There's out still there stuff the, going yeah, on on it. No, I don't even think it's that. It's that uh, it was, there's it's some info out there in the news um, about whatever like cbc your favorite outlet yeah. uh has put out there like the generic stuff um so i know a little bit of the details but and it kind of what i i prefer to touch on not that stuff yeah, not the, that deep stuff but yeah. what what changes within how you operate at the armories then because there's another situation that this is something that doesn't happen very often or at all and then all of a sudden you know that was that was before Cirillo, so maybe we yeah. should have done this the other way around. It was like um, two Octobers in a row. Anyway, and I don't want to because we've all been in and we've all had this happen. No matter you know, everyone listening to this, we're talking a suicide. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and that's well known as well. So we're not. This isn't like I don't want to bring up stuff that isn't already out there um, about this specific incident. Yeah. But more uh, to make sense to what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It makes it, yeah. The 158 Podcast is proud to partner with the Helping Heroes Heal Foundation, helping injured and ill first responders, veterans, and military members. Helping Heroes Heal Foundation unites and empowers our nation's heroes through their favorite activities, sports, and adventures. Learn more about how they can support you or how you can lend your support to the foundation by visiting them at helpingheroesheal.ca. At JKR Financial, we are dedicated to the veteran community. As a PPCLI veteran, I understand the hurdles of asking for help. You can follow us on Facebook at JKR Financial Group, or if you need to contact us directly, 
Jurgen, J-U-R-G-E-N, at jkrfinancial.com. Enjoy the show. He was a good kid. Um, I was his 2IC on a stalwart guardian or CAC or whatever it's being called. Like, he was a great soldier. Young guy, like, mature beyond. Soldiering-wise, I can't, I never, like, hung out with him outside, but very mature when it was go time. He knew, he knew how to do the job, super professional, and uh, a lot of people liked him, never heard anybody say a bad word. Uh, so everyone was devastated, but man, we pulled together, and then, you know, leadership thinks they're doing good things, but it's the boys on the ground, and girls, sorry. It, yeah. It's what happens in the JRs, and what happens in the Sergeant's Fest, and I'm sure the officers take care of themselves too, but like, you know, the junior ranks, we're good because of the junior ranks. We talked about it, like, you know what I mean? People that were directly involved, they had nothing but people to speak to, had a couple of beers, talked about it. I'm sure the sergeants took care of themselves, I'm sure the officers took care of themselves, but I mean, at the end of the day, when something like that happens, it's, it's crazy, it's unthinkable, but you pull together and it makes you super strong, it really does. How do things progress when it comes to training and stuff like that afterwards? I that weekend was right off. There was no. I understand that, but yeah. I mean, even it, like there's what? What about the next exercise? Is there like a sense of caution? Is there? A, well, there's got to be something. I'm that gonna goes on I'm gonna that. flip that on you because it's a good question. But what happens? And I actually want to know because I wasn't in country. What happens to you after you lose your boys one week down the road? You have to pick up. Like it's, I, th- I feel like it's. I different was thinking though. as soon as you asked that, I thought that's just almost the same thing. Yeah, like it. I, I feel like it's different though. Because it is we're, totally it's a different. High it's, speed, yeah, it's totally different. But the but at the end of the job, at the end of the day, it's a job. It's the same job, and you have to be professional. What happened is it is a, is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. But you know, what would he have wanted? Would he have wanted us all to cry in our our beers and stop training? And no, he would have wanted us to carry on. What what he, what he was feeling that day whatever happened happened we have to move on and that's honoring him in a way too right it's like you guys again i'll put put it back like if you guys sat in your room and cried for the rest of the tour which i'm sure you did we did it for the 24 hours i'm sure you you did that (laughs) but that's not what they would have wanted for the next uh, you know three four months they want you to carry on with the mission that's my opinion again i cannot speak for him or the family but we did get back to training we eased into it and we did a good job of telling people like hey man if this is too much because there was some shit that went down we'll talk about later that people would have been really affected and so we're like man if you need to pull back pull back if you need somebody to talk to here's my number yeah you know you got to take care of, of each other that's no joke and i'm glad that that mental health thing has really come full circle like when i got in it was all about being hard and it's probably because we hadn't done anything in a long time i got in in like 2001 and the harder you were sort of the better you were and now it's like some of the hardest guys i know straight up will call me and and tell me like emotional shit and that's great because you know that's the direction we need to be going so yeah absolutely yeah but sooner or later it's everyone yeah so that's, I'll look at my notes here. I got What Uh-oh. else do I got here? Don't be hitting me with those ones anymore. Yeah, yeah no, no more, no more sorry, curveballs I, here on you. I'm sorry. You're like, shit, no, I thought wait, this was going to be all funny. And <laughs> Corporal Stark? Corporal Justin Stark. Yes. Justin Stark. Did he deploy with you? Yeah. Two, yeah, yeah in yeah, 2010, sorry. not with us. Okay, but it was, yeah. it was yeah. 2010. Yeah. 2010, right? Yeah, those guys had a tough tour 
One, was it 110? I, can't, I couldn't tell you. I'd have to look uh, it up. But yeah, he did. Why was it a tough tour? I want to say they were omelet. I, I know the guys in omelet had a when really I tough go. Explain omelet. Omelet. You may as well. Well, uh, I'm going to mess it up. And the unit <laughs> one, yeah, yeah, one, yeah. one, one, one worked with the A and A and mentored yeah. them and and I believe trained them. But they were it wasn't training behind closed doors. They were doing it. They were on patrol with the A and A and I believe Palmlet P makes sense. Like it wasn't a section of Canadians. It was two Canadians with three. It was a small. Yeah, it was kind of like a. Yeah, it's hard to explain, but I, yeah, it's. I mentoring. honestly don't know, but I know I know enough to like. I had good friends that were in the omelet, and uh, you know nobody really talks about those stories of what they went through unless, like, I only talk about that with the guys I went on with. I I wouldn't tell my stories to other guys, either. So I never heard the stories, but I knew what they did. I knew it was serious. Um, they they're were, living. They with were these doing. Guys. They were doing the damn thing. Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're they're living with them. They're heroes. It's like a full-on thing. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, they're right in the shit, living in shitty situations. Uh, so twenty-four-seven, just just shit. We had showers at CNS. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I got a good story about that, but and we could tell that, tell that later. and and a pool. We had the yeah. pool too. Yeah, that was never open though. Uh, we went in there a couple times. It was cold as fuck. Uh, and we had the, the water the reservoir. Yeah, we had, yeah the. For, oh, you were a firefighter too, right? You yeah, were, I volunteered for the yeah, fire department. Wearing two two helmets over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, okay, we touched on it before. We're both from Dundas. Yeah. Uh, we both were on the same tour. Yep. And just before we started going live here, you were bringing up how we know some of the same people. Yeah. And then you'd hang out with them, and they'd be like. Maddie was here and he was calling you a fucking tune and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. So I'll go back to here. Okay, so everyone knows my story, my episode, kind of what happened. And when I got back from overseas, I had a very sour taste in my mouth about everything pretty much in life. I was angry as fuck. Zero fucks to give about anyone else. Uh, pretty much like selfish and just like self-absorbed, like hatred towards the world. And then I get back, and then some people that I know that know Graham as well are telling me, well, Graham's saying that, like, yeah, he was, like, that's his story. What you're telling me is his story. And I'm like, like, Graham wasn't, like, boots on the ground that day. So how is, like, he telling my story? However, looking back now in these drunken debacles, there's a very good possibility that you're just talking about the whole tour stuff and that I don't know exactly what happened, but... I was just like, is this guy fucking going around to my friends, like almost diminishing my my story, saying that he was there and he wasn't even fucking there. So I was like, I was fired up. And you talked about how if we met, probably would have fought. Oh, 100%. So I was angry. I'll tell you right now, I hated Graham. Yeah. uh, Until about, I had to go through like my own. I don't know when we clicked, but we did. And I'm glad. I, don't know, I just added, I think I added you on Facebook. But wait, did you guys know like, each other in 08 when you were there together? I mean, like, in New York. So, so, like, here, here's, here's my story. Like, to answer that, I didn't know really anybody. Like, I did my tour. I was almost too close with my section. So that's all I kind of cared about. But you I'd see these in your section, d- d- right? Dusty, yeah. yeah we'll so we'll like, leave it at Dusty. But again, like... And there's a funny story because I fought that guy twice. 
before we joined the army, me and this guy, and he's the, like, I've been in a, a ton of fights. This is hands down the toughest guy I ever fought. And we fight once. I was hammered. We won a ball hockey tournament. And so, <laughs> anyways, he gets the better of me. And he was like two years younger. So I get back to high school and I hear about it. So I get the better of him <laughs> the next time. So now we're one on one. And then fast forward like two months. He hates me. I hate him. Same section on basic. No shit. Yeah. And then That's we just hilarious. been tight ever since. But so here, just as you're telling, because I never heard that side of the story that you heard that I was telling stories. I will say this, hand on heart on my children's health, I don't tell other people's stories. And as you're telling me that story, it sounds to me like civilians are like, you're telling a story. If you go talk to a civilian about an army story, just do it as an experiment. Then you go talk to the same civilian as an army. He'll be like, yeah, Anderson already told me that one. Because they don't get the jargon. They don't yeah, get yeah, the... For sure. I would never, and I promise anybody out there, I would never tell somebody else's story. Ever. Well, that's, I mean, I, and I just said, looking back, I was in an unhealthy situation. So it was like any opportunity to be angry at someone and be like, let's yeah. fucking. Well, oh, so, yeah. like, so that was, that was Matt's perspective. My perspective is I go out for a drink, right? And I don't, we talked about this. Like, I don't go around with a Afghanistan pin on telling people war stories. Small town. So that, like occasionally people talk about it, but even then people have respect. Like nobody's asking me about this stuff. So I sit down for a drink. They'd be like, "Hey, Matt Anderson was just here. Called you a tune. Said if he sees, he's gonna do you." <laughs> and so, like you know, I got some pride. Or hey, we talked about this too. Dennis, tough town. Like it really is. So I'm like, "Well, you tell him." <laughs> like, yeah. You know. So this anytime I this sounds so, like the most like small town. So hundred percent. I would so, never. I I knew he would be easy to find if I actually wanted to, or if he actually wanted to it would have been a, like a phone call way to get a number yeah. but i used to go out and be like is matt here like i'm looking for matt tonight <laughs> because i'm here i wouldn't make a trip in yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm so glad it didn't happen because you know from from being your buddy you're you're a great guy i love what you're doing here and you're and you're helping people out so uh, no I'm let's glad, put that I'm straight glad that didn't end that we're, way yeah. we're, we're talking we're not we had last guest was aristotle and he was from scarborough tough neighborhood i'm gonna yeah. say that's a little different tough than Dundas tough. I doubt it. Oh, <laughs> it's, I've it's been all over the world. Yeah, 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 it's right yeah. a little. Dundas <laughs> tough is like barn fights, you know. Like, that's it's a little bit honestly though. It's I've like, seen yeah. Scarborough tough. I don't know. Oh well, no, it's tough. different. It's like it's almost. We touched on this too, where like Dundas is right in the middle of country, and then yeah. a big ass city. Oh, so it's like you get the country boys. Oh, we're talking about fight. Well. Yeah, fair. Yeah, no fair fight, yeah. I, and, and I don't want to switch the podcast into what town's tougher. We've had a couple of beers. I'll say this just to, <laughs> just to represent my hometown. And we've seen them come from Hamilton. It's not our first. Like, we've never, we've, we've done it all with with a lot of different communities in our hockey teams. Holy like, fuck. I Graham's like, on here chugging beers, no, calling no, out cities. Like, no. why don't you just put water down <laughs> out there again, you know? Dundas is, Dundas is as good as it coming. I've been around. I've been around the old block. Yeah, <laughs> like out of the watered down Ancaster Dundas. We beat them all. No. I'm just joking. But yeah. Hamilton's like up in the Premier League. No, all right. Well, if you want to get stabbed with a rusty <laughs> screwdriver or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. All right. Sorry. Yeah. That was me. Moving on. Matt, I'm glad we never, it never came to that. Yeah, no. It's, it's interesting how that happens, it's going though, off right? Track. Yeah. All right. Uh, you're looking to get released. Uh, we've touched on some mental health stuff as well. Yeah. Um, what is your perspective on the mental health area? 
you were in the military for a long time. You talked about the bravado when you first joined. Uh, has that changed in your mentality? And what would you say for guys that are kind of like stuck in that? So I want to get help, but I don't know if I should. Like, Let me paint a quick picture about okay. one safety culture, because I think it's all part and parcel. When I got in, there was a sergeant teaching me to shoot. And we're at Winona Range, and I have my issued earplugs with me. And he goes, ditch those kids. Grabs a, grabs a haul of a cigarette, puts it in his right ear, fires a five-round grouping, puts it back in his mouth, <laughs> have at her. No ballistic eyewear, no nothing, right? So, like, you wanted to be like that guy. Yeah. So safety culture was non-existent, and, and that probably... You know, snowballed into everything. Like if you're like, man, I'm kind of fucked up. It's like, what are you? You know, I won't say the word, but you fill in the blank. And then I don't know who did it, but they're a genius because I'm sure it saved lives. We switched to a safety culture. Now you go on a range. It's like, man, where's your ear pro? You're checking your buddy, right? You got your ballistic eyewear on. Okay, good. You got gloves. Yeah, you're good to go. Like everyone's doing that now. Like it's it's more of a safety culture, which again snowballs into even these buddy checks, which are brilliant. Like. You know, if, if I lost my dog, right? I'm, I'm downplaying this now, and I'm not trying to make light of it. If I lost my dog, I'd have 10 phone calls from buddies. Are you okay? Are you doing okay? How's things? Man, I'm here for you, right? Like, it's really gotten good from the people I experience. If somebody's listening, listening right now and they don't get that, then I can't, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't wanna say everybody's doing that, but definitely here in Hamilton, and I can speak probably for the RHLI too, that's, that's going that way. And it is a good thing. And, and we're constantly doing buddy checks. We're always looking out for people. The mess culture is huge. You know, again, for, for a younger person, like get involved in your mess. Don't miss those. You know, when you, I'm getting out in this month and, you know, I went to the mess every time, every, every Wednesday essentially. And uh, that's where you make those friendships. So make time for that. That's as important as anything. But, uh, yeah, I hope I answered your question. I kind of went on a diatribe there. But. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it did, though. It's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I feel like a lot of us are mixed in with this team and this brotherhood, but can feel like we're alone. And there is avenues to not feel that way. Right? Oh, and that's what you're touching on. I and I bet you, again, I bet you if you, random, if you were hurting and you randomly reached out to somebody that you knew served in the Army... Like I could, I could message somebody from BC. I could message somebody from out east. Just you know, while they have those, you may know or suggestions. Like, like that's where we're at. Is like that guy will drop whatever he's doing and help you out. And if he doesn't, he's a piece of shit, in my opinion. <laughs> I would, I would drop fucking any, call in sick to work. I'd do anything. Guess what, kids? Today we're not swimming. Today we're not doing this. I gotta go help somebody. Like we'll get that afternoon back. This is not like that's the way it's it's come. I no, that's, yeah, that's good and to I, hear. I don't think every unit's like that. I hope they are, man. I don't think that they all are, and I think that hearing that may we may be able to use this as like a starting point for those units. Someone picks up, listens to this, and goes, "Maybe I'll be that guy to try." Yeah, and start I that, call right? the one fifty eight. These boys will help you. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously. No. I'm literally on the phone on the way here talking to someone that's really used and going through the frustration of trying to deal with VAC, getting your housing trip booked, all that shit, and it's like. If you need to like call and vent, I got an ear for you all day long. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that tells you who the guys are that have been through it. Yep. Yeah. Be, yep. Because you've seen what that site does. So, so that's something too. Like, 
you know, I know you guys are all about spitballing here. That's something that, so when I got in 2001, it had been a, it had been a hot minute before we'd done anything. And that's maybe why it went that way. And let's say everybody from Afghanistan, eventually, you know, 10 years, they start releasing. And then we can't slide, but we can't slide back into that. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Just because you deployed, it's relevant to you. And then now all the guys that deployed have have finished, so mental health goes by the wayside. And I don't think it will. No. But we can't let that slip because we're we're in a good spot right now. I think for uh, for reaching out. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we can wrap it up there, but we're gonna have you back because if anyone wants a good. Good read. Go get your popcorn ready. July 11th, you said your your release? Yeah. The socials will be fucking fired up on July 12th, guaranteed. Yeah. Graham will be out there calling out everything that he can. He's kind of, you're like a Jeremy McKenzie a little bit, too, in that yeah, sense. Jerry's it's like, okay. yeah, where it's like, you know, love him or hate him, but if he's got an opinion and he's standing up for what he, that's the biggest thing, I think. Standing up for what you believe in, and that's a big part of military culture that might be going by the wayside. It's like you stand up for what you believe in morally and ethically, right? So I'm not going to drag this on. I see you guys, everybody's got to get home. But that is something. That, no, that is something. Like, and, and whether you liked it or not, look at like Colin Kaepernick, for instance, took a knee, ruined his career. Everybody hated him. He never backed down from that, right? He never backed down. And look where we're at right now with everything that's going on. Now he looks like a saint for what he did, right? Yeah. When I call people out, I get muzzled. And I can say this before my release. I'm not going into the black Half here. Half all I'm, over you. Guy has speed dial I'm, number one. I'm Graham. not going into the black here. But, you know, when something, when an injustice happens and I speak on it, I'm not backing down. And I've told them that. I, I am their number one go-to shit guy. I get in shit for everything. Because if something happens and it's horseshit, I call them out. On social media, I'll go on Instagram. I'll do a rant. I'll go on social media or Facebook. I'll, I'll, I'll type something up. And I always get in shit for it. And I do think this is something we'll look back at. They, they muzzle people. And I don't think it's right because I think our charter trumps certain things that they're trying to, to stop. Well, let's dive into that next one then. Yeah, so I don't want to. I've got, let's yeah. say that. Let's edit that one. out. We'll edit that last bit out. <laughs> we can talk I, off air. The other thing too is I think we should talk uh, with you again just to hear about the process of going through release too. Yeah, that's yes. huge. Yeah, it yeah. is a big process. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know guys, Reg Forest, the process for that I think might be a little more complex. But then talking to you before this, we were talking about your release. And uh, maybe the Reg Force, because it's so systematic and there's so many people involved in it, had it down pat where you, there seems to be a little shortcoming yeah. with the reserves. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely touch on that. And I came here today, I was literally, the last couple of days I've been going over stories in my head. We never got to them, so we'll get those out next time too. Fuck yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. Thanks boys. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. And What's to the, the audience, thanks for for downloading the episode and as always if you like this one leave us a review and a rating it's really a big deal to us it, it pumps us up in the uh, I want to say iTunes but it's not called that anymore it's Apple Podcasts Apple Podcasts which right now is still the biggest one so yeah the Jurgen plug at the end love it <laughs>